Welcome to Meeting with God. Meeting with God is the radio preaching ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus. We're in the middle of a series from 1 Corinthians chapter 16 called The Power of Partnership. And today we're going to listen to the first part of a message called Building Our Ministry Partnership. You know, that's so critical in serving the Lord together. I want to ask you a question. You can all answer this together. We're having communication, dialogue here. Uh, why do we come to church? Why did you come to church this morning? Okay, if you answered worship God, you get an A. If you answered anything else, you get an F. Try again. Um, we come here to worship Jesus Christ, to worship God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the most important thing in our lives, and that's the only thing that should be the focus of a church. Everything boils down to worshiping and exalting the name of Jesus Christ. However, just because there's the most important thing doesn't mean it's the only thing per se. All of it comes under worship of God. But there's another really important thing you need to know about the church. I'm even going to say it's the second most important thing. And that is a partnership. And more specifically, a people. People. People are really important in a church. For some of us, it's like, yeah, I really like church except for the... Okay. Some people have had good experiences with, some people have had bad experiences with, okay? but in the church, there's a lot of people. And one of the things that's going to happen that's critical for our church, as for every church, is for the people to come together in partnering together for the sake of the gospel. If we all try to do life on our own, um, I just stay away from, I don't want to get no, too close to people because people might hurt you. Yeah, I hear little heads up, people will hurt you. That's usually not what we put in our announcements, but okay, we're all sinners. But sometimes that's all we see. Uh, you're going to be getting an email with a little, um, little blog about that this week. Sometimes all we see in life is the thorns. We don't see and smell and focus on the roses. And I'm going to tell you, in a church, if God's going to take us to the next level of ministry, we're going to have to embrace what God's Word says today. Because if we don't, if we try to do life on our own, uh, you know, the Christian life in a closet, if you will, so I don't have to deal with any people, the reality is you're not going to have a fruitful ministry for Jesus Christ. And as it pertains to the corporate sense of the church, we as a church will not be effective in accomplishing the purpose of the gospel, which is to make disciples. By the way, a little side note here, disciples are always what? People. people. Messy people. Difficult people. People like me, people like you. Now let's look together. The title of the message is, a Building Our Ministry Partnership. I'm going to tell you, Paul understood the importance of people and how to work with different people. You're going to see that right in the text. He's working with all kinds of different people, but he did it in a way that um, built partnership for the sake of the gospel and brought great joy. Verse 10, Paul says this. He's giving instructions. He's talking about different ministry partnerships and people that are partnering with Corinth. Uh, just as a little reminder, Paul is in Ephesus, which is on the far eastern tip of what is modern-day Turkey. He's writing to Corinth, which is right in the middle of modern-day Greece. So they are separated a bit, and uh, you'll, you'll understand that as we go through. Notice that in verse 10, Paul says, when Timothy comes, see that you put him at ease among you, for he is doing the work of the Lord uh, as I am. Now notice in the text it says, a see 
If you look at it in the Greek, it's um, an imperative. It says, see to it. See to it. If you want to get a little of the Greek in your Bible, just underline it like two times, okay? See to it that you put Timothy uh, at ease, or literally in the Greek, see to it that without fear he may be. All that to say, uh, put him at ease. I can remember one time in my own life when um, I was involved in ministry and I had the opposite of this happen. I remember when I was, uh, some of you know that I used to work for James McDonald's as his assistant, and I remember one time we were flying to North Carolina to be a part of a big ministry event that he was speaking at, and uh, we flew in and um, had a great guy pick us up at the airport, and we were driving to this particular place where this big event was going to happen, and uh, we were hungry, okay? After you've long on a flight, you know, you're hungry, and then the guy said, oh yeah, we got lunch for you, you just, you just go right down this hallway, go right in that area, and we got this nice lunch for a couple of the speakers, we're going to be in there, different leaders, we're going to have lunch. This is the craziest thing. So we walk up, to, we walk down the hall, and we're about ready to make a left, and there's this gal sitting there, uh, perched up on this, like, uh, stool, and she goes, uh, we're about ready to walk, and she says, stop, stop, excuse me, excuse me, just stop. She goes, uh, what's your name? And um, apparently she hadn't read the list of who the speakers were, hadn't seen a picture, because normally you pick those things up quick. She said, uh, he's like, well, my name is James McDonald. Oh, I see your name. You can go in. And then uh, she's like, who are you? Oh, my name's Luke Aarons. I came with him. Um, usually my name's easy to find. It's at the top. So usually when you get a pause for a couple seconds, you're like, my name's not on there. She's going down it, and uh, she goes, um, I don't see, what was your name again? Aarons. Oh. No, no, I, I don't see your name. I'm sorry, you're not going to be able to go in. Now, James is pretty quick on these things. He's like, uh, no, he's with me. We're going in. She's like, no, sir, uh, you're not taking him in there. He's not going in. Well, um, I love James, and uh, he had a great heart at this point. He was not letting his assistant get left in the ditch. And so he said, all right, we're going to Subway. And off we walked and went to Subway. Um, needless to say, the organizer of the event was a little embarrassed and, um, but here's this lady who um, got so wound up about duty that she forgot about hospitality. And she forgot about the mission to which she had been put there, which was to advance putting people at ease, not whatever else. Now, God bless her. I'm sure she was just trying to do her job. But it's really important for all of us to learn the lesson of putting other people at ease. And if you come in here and you're a everybody was a visitor here one day, and if we don't learn how to put each other at ease and to care for one another, uh, we're going to miss the opportunities for ministry partnership. Now think about this. How do we put people at ease? How do we put people at ease? Well, one of the ways we do it is hospitality, food, uh, providing a place for people to rest. I think those are the obvious ones. Those are meaningful ones. I'd also say there's other things we do to put people at ease. You ever been with somebody that's brand new? Sometimes just their tone and how they approach you says a lot about whether they're trying to put you at ease or not. Or maybe it's a joke they do. Whether it's funny or not doesn't really matter. But the fact that they're telling, unless it's really awkward, that's really a, it doesn't help. But usually it puts us at ease. Or maybe, you know, I, oh, I know you. I, I know somebody that you know. We have a common friendship or we have a common interest. And they're trying to put you at ease. And I want to tell you that is as important in our church as it is anywhere else. And what Paul is telling the Corinthians is, when Timothy comes, you need to put him at ease. Now, why was he saying that? Verse 11 says, Paul's pretty clear what he's going, what he doesn't want done. Verse 11, he says, so let no one despise him. 
Help him on his way in peace, that he may return to me, for I am expecting him with the brothers. Paul does not want them to treat Timothy with disdain, with disrespect, to despise him. Now keep in mind, when Paul's writing Corinthians, it's seven to eight years before Paul would write these words to Timothy. This is a very famous verse. You've heard this verse. Remember this? 1 Timothy 4.12. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. This was seven or eight years before that. So if you can imagine if Paul, if Timothy is still wrestling with being young now, maybe he was in his mid-20s by this point, he's like a teenager right now. He was green as green came. You can imagine the, uh, of, of being new in ministry, dealing with, and I'm telling you, Corinth was not an easy crowd to deal with. Clearly, we've had two years of that. They were not an easy group to be around. Let me tell you this. Um, new people will need to grow and try new things. Okay? If we're going to grow, if we're going to have new ministry horizons and try new things and see new people's lives impacted, it's going to come when new people try new things and sometimes fail, probably fail. And I tell you why, can you imagine being Timothy thinking, here is this, the apostle Paul is your mentor. Great mentor, great mentor, A for mentor, but a mentor's not with you. And when you have to step out the first time, all of us know what that's like, first day in the job, first day in school, first day in this, first day in that, you feel uh, in your throat uh, or your stomach and up to your throat and you're just, that's what Timothy was feeling. And I want our church to be a place where we set people at ease, where we partner together, whether you're new and not, I don't have very many friendships here, or I don't have, I'm brand new to, uh, to uh, Columbus. I know what that's like. I know what that's like. But all of us should have a sense of, I want to put people at ease. I want to build ministry partnerships together. How can we put people at ease and avoid this concept of despising someone? I'm going to tell you, it's really easy to happen in the church. Um, anytime we get a new staff member, anytime we have a new small group leader, anytime we have try somebody doing something new, there's a tendency for people to be like, oh, I like the other person that did it. Okay? I like how they do it. I like the way they smile at me. I like the way they say it. But if we're to be the people of God and to multiply, as the church says, and to multiply disciples and to multiply opportunities, we all have to open up to God working through more people. And here's when it gets hard. What happens when people make mistakes? Paul says here, second half of verse 11, he says, help him, help him. Now, how do we help people and avoid despising them? I'm going to give you this. Here's the best thing you can do to people in the church. And I would love to have a community where we, when you're coming to church today, when you're coming to church any week, one of the thoughts in your mind is, who am I going to encourage today? Okay? Not who's going to encourage me. How am I going to feel better? Who am I going to encourage today? And um, think about what it means. All of us can remember back to a time in our lives. Some of you might be in the middle of it right now. We're going through something new and trying something new and stepping out and doing something new. And someone comes alongside and says, especially after you make a mistake. And says, no, 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 you're still good. You're, you're going to do great at that. I know you're going to get over that little bump and you're going to do great at that. You're going to be, we really need you there. Do you know what that does to someone? Think about what Timothy would have said if he came here and gave his, one of his sermons, right? Okay, so Apostle Paul's been preaching, rock star. You're preaching your sixth sermon. 
And someone comes up afterwards and says, you know what, Timothy, I, I know you messed it up a little bit, but it's okay, it's okay. You did a great job. And I heard right, something right in there that God needed to speak to me about. That's what would encourage. Think about the word encourage. Paul, Paul says, don't put him in a place of fear. What's the opposite of fear? Courage. Encourage him. Why don't you jot this down in your notes? Who do I need to encourage? I have four questions for us today, and I'm hoping that you're going to be not just writing some notes down, but writing some people's names in here. And we've been doing that the last few weeks. Why do we want names in here? Because this is a very practical part of God's word. Okay, there's times where it's, what does God want me to do at home? Or what does God want me to do in how I think of theology or what I think of Jesus Christ? And sometimes part of living out the gospel is saying, what does God want me to do with people around me? Who do I need to encourage? I want you to think of someone that God wants you to encourage. Now, one thing that I've been very blessed at, and I've already started to see our church family doing this with other staff members as well. Our church is very good at encouraging people. And I felt from the beginning, especially some, it's amazing how when you get to a dark season, and I'm telling you, ministry, just like life, has dark seasons. How many, how people God, God has brought at certain times, pivotal times, and they've just brought a message of, you know, I just want to tell you, God's been changing my family because of what's been going on at the church. And at different people, different things, different staff members, it's amazing what a blessing that is. And I would say the same is true of our leaders. And to see, hey, you know what? I, I just want to tell you, but so-and-so leader has really been impacting my life and really been used by God. That is such a helpful, impactful thing. But I just want to say this. We're, let's take our game up a little bit. And here's what I want you to think about. Not just staff members right now. Uh, certainly, we appreciate your encouragement. And I, I tell you what, it's a two-way thing. But I also want you to think about some of the people that maybe you haven't encouraged before. Maybe a greeter when you were coming in. Maybe an usher. Maybe, maybe it's the children's ministry, a leader right now that's ministering to your children. Okay, maybe it's somebody in production. You know, just on your way out, give them a bump or a five on their way out. So many people behind the scenes that serve, but maybe don't get right into the, the thick of the encouragement. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's something that I hope that our church will step up. That for sure builds the partnership that God wants us uh, to have. This is Pastor Luke Aarons from Vertical Church Columbus. If you're listening to Meeting with God, you're clearly interested in God's Word. One of the great joys of my life is seeing people grow together in God's Word on a weekly basis. And these messages are a part of our weekend services. If you don't have a church family, let me invite you to join us this weekend. Our church home is located in Columbus near Route 315 and Henderson Road. Details are available at verticalchurch.life. Well, then notice on verse um, 12, Paul says, Now concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to visit you with the other brothers, but it was not at his will, not at all his will, to come now. He will come when he has opportunity. Now notice it says, now concerning. Now that's happened a number of times. You can go to verse, uh, chapter 16, verse 1. It's happened a number of times through the letter where Paul is saying, now concerning. What's probably happening is the Corinthians sent a question to Paul, and Paul's saying, now concerning that question you asked, um, here's the answer. And this is the last one. Uh, they probably were asking, is, is, well, is Apollos coming back? Is he going to come back and minister to us? Well, who is Apollos? Some of you are like wondering, who is that guy? Who's Apollos? Apollos was a person that Paul met in Ephesus. Uh, You can look back to uh, Acts chapter 18. I'm not going to read it now. Uh, You can go back and read that later. But Acts chapter 18, verse 24 and following, 
Apollos was a gifted Jew from Alexandria. That means from Egypt. He was a Jewish believer. There's a big community of, of Jews, Hebrews, in Alexandria. He was very gifted. There was, I believe, a very large library there. It was quite a teaching center for Jews. And he had come up into the Ephesus area and, and eventually into Corinth. It had quite an impact, quite a ministry. You can see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and chapter 3. So much so that Apollos had a significant impact and following. If you remember back to 1 Corinthians 1, people were like saying, well, I'm, I'm totally dialing to Paul. Paul's my guy. I want him preaching. Okay? And some people are like, no, 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 I'm of Apollos. Well, if you're on the par with Paul, you're a pretty good preacher. It's not hard to see why Paul would have wanted Apollos to come. It's also not a wonder, it's also not a wonder why Paul would say, uh, don't despise Timothy, okay? The Corinthians were a jazzed group. They loved the best of the best. They were, I mean, they, they were like kind of the church version of American Idol, you know? No, we're gonna vote for him. We like him, you know? And can you imagine Timothy and you're coming into that kind of environment? You're brand new. You got your, you know, first sermon. Paul was very concerned. But clearly, Paul respected and recognized how Apollos could help in Corinth. How many of you think that Paul really wanted Apollos to go? Look in the text. What do you think? Do you think you want him to go? Or are you just like, hey, Apollos, you got time to go? Oh, no. Okay. What does he say here? He says, I strongly urged him. Okay, Paul was a dialed up guy in his sleep. <laughs> strongly urged meant really twisted his arm behind his back till it snapped almost. And then notice what it says about Apollos. It says it was not at all his will. And Paul had tried everything. <laughs> Um, what about this? What about that? What about this? Well, I don't know what Paul, Apollos' reasons were. Maybe he had a family. Maybe he didn't want to be away from his family for a while. Maybe uh, he, Paulus, was frustrated about this kind of Corinth rock star thing. He's like, I just don't want to deal with those people. They're so immature. They wear me out. Been there, done that, bought the t-shirt, not going back. Or maybe just he was at a place where the Lord just kind of had told him, not now. This is not the season. Maybe he was burned out. We don't know. We just don't know. The point is, it wasn't for lack of trying on Paul's um, part. <laughs> I'm just imagining Paul strongly urging. You ever had somebody try to get you to eat something? You ever heard somebody said, I'm just going to use anchovies, but you could fill in the blank, sausage, this, fish, something new. And they said, hey, would you like some anchovies in your pizza? Okay, would you like to get in some soup? How about in your cereal? How about for breakfast? How about for dinner? How about for lunch? Can we, is there any way I can get you to eat? Okay. Okay, that's, I can imagine Paul being like that. Is there any way, could you go next month? Could you go, what if I, what if I change your schedule around and I, I take those preaching opportunities for the next two months and you just go for, just go for a short trip? Okay, that doesn't work. Okay, um, well, I know somebody in Ephesus has a boat. Why don't you just go over in his little thing and just do a quick, or, or what about in two months? Or I, I'm just telling you, Paul strongly urged him. Now, why would Paul do that? Well, he knew that the Corinthian church was in a bad state. Okay? And I said earlier, Paul wasn't the type of person that just dropped important things just because there was a more urgent thing calling. But that didn't mean it wasn't important for the Corinthians to grow up. Okay? And he knew that it was important for someone to get over there. Clearly, Paul knew that the Corinthian church needed to grow. And I want you to think about this for a minute. Have you ever felt the way that Paul probably felt at this point when he's saying this? Have you ever said something to someone and you're like, you know what, you really, I, really need, I really need you to step and do something in ministry. I really... You know, maybe in your home, you said to your kids, you know, I really need you to grow up in this area. <coughs> or I really need you to step out and try something new. Or, honey, we really need a vacation. We need to do something. And sometimes, as, uh, for whatever reason, it's not at all 
that person's will to change their mind. And I think some of us, um, I'll throw myself in this lot, I'm trying to get better at this, sometimes we try to play Holy Spirit. I think God wants you to do it now. Oh, can I, can I, let me give you 10 verses of why I want you to do what I want you to do now or in a week. A week doesn't work, in a month, okay? And sometimes we try to take over God's role. And that's something I've learned in ministry. We have to learn that in our small groups. We have to learn that in everything. We constantly are urging people to step up and to play certain roles. We're urging them to step up in their families, and we ought to be challenging one another to step up for the gospel. But here's the thing. You can't force people to do things. Sometimes we have to dial up the patience and say, okay, God, I've, I've clearly put it out there. I can see Paul praying and saying, God, I've strongly urged him as much as I possibly can without destroying your relationship. You ever been in one of those? You're like, if I push hard one inch more, they're going to leave, they're going to walk away, they're going to, and I'm just not, it's not that important to do that. Just a ministry opportunity. If it was theological, Paul would have pushed him over the edge without question. But it wasn't that. I want you to jot this down. Who do I need to be patient with? Who do I need to be patient with? And I have to say this, that sometimes a God is working through the yellow lights uh, in our lives. Now, some of you think that yellow uh, means go faster, right? Green means go, yellow means go faster, and I hope red doesn't mean go fastest, but um, <laughs> some of us know, uh, we need to observe the yellow lights in our lives or the yield signs, okay? And sometimes God is working in the people of our lives, but it's not the pace we want it to be. And we're not, we're not saying, God, in your time. We're saying, God, in my time. God, I see what's going on here, and clearly I need that person to step it up. I need, I need my husband to start taking care of his, get on, get on the kids. I'm tired of doing that. Or I need my wife to grow up in this particular area. Or I need somebody in my small group to stop having an attitude. Or I need somebody else in my small group to step up and take um, a teaching for a couple weeks. I need a break. There's lots of reasons why we have to be patient. But you know what? We need to realize that God's calling us as much to patience as he's calling them to step up wherever he's doing it. And I have to say this. Maybe God knew that the best person to go to Corinth wasn't Apollos. Maybe God knew that Timothy was the person that needed to go because they were not going to be enamored and voting for Apollos or for Timothy. They weren't going to be enamored by his, maybe just the simplicity of the gospel through a young preacher was going to be more impactful than a major player. And I would encourage you, I've, I've uh, seen this in my own life at Seasons. I remember going through seminary and um, I wanted to save some money. I wanted to try to get a four-year program done in three years if I could. And I was pressing and pressing and pressing until God finally slammed the door shut. I remember I was doing a Greek class and I was working hours like crazy. And one, more, one day, halfway through the semester, uh, all my work wasn't there on my computer anymore. And I was like shaken. I'd worked so hard. I was going 80 hours a week. And then something's missing. And you've been putting four hours a day into that. That will shake you up. I remember waking up at one o'clock in the morning and God getting my attention. And I wrote this in a journal. I, I still go back here because I, it takes me a couple times to learn lessons sometimes. You ever been there before? Okay. And I've had to go back there. And from one o'clock to 3 a.m. in the morning, um, and I had to get up at five to go to work. So that was important sleep time. Um, God got my attention and said, you know what? You need to go at my pace. You go at my pace. You need to slow it down. Don't be taking so many credit hours. You need to focus more on your family. Um, you need to be alive when you come out of here. 
And God taught me a lesson, interestingly, how God opens future doors. God knows when the timing is gonna hit perfectly. Maybe he knew that the Corinthian church needed Apollos in a year, not in a month. And I would encourage you to think by faith when it comes to your own life. Sometimes the people that you're thinking about right now in the church or in your family, God's working, God's working in ways you can't see, but if you don't, if you don't dial up the patience with them and you try to use the bulldozer mentality, you will break the relationship, okay? Ministry partnership depends on patience. I want to skip a couple verses here. We're going to have a one final message. We're going to come back to verses 13 and 14 next week uh, in that final message. Look at verse 15. Paul says, I urge you, brothers, you know that the household of Stephanaeus were the first converts in Achaia, and they have devoted themselves to the service of the saints. Be subject to such as these, and to every fellow worker and laborer, because they have made up for your absence, for they refreshed my spirit as well as yours. Give recognition uh, to such men. Thank you so much for listening to Meeting with God, the radio ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus, Ohio. Vertical Church exists to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission and the spirit of the Great Commandment by making disciples of Jesus Christ. If you live in Columbus and currently do not have a church home, we would love to invite you to worship with us. Our worship services meet at our church home at 1290 Old Henderson Road. Our church family is warm, loving, and would be so happy to meet you. If you currently do not have a place to worship this weekend, would you join us? As always, thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us next week for your Meeting with God. Meeting with God is the teaching ministry of Vertical Church Columbus. For more information, go to verticalchurch.life.